Welcome to the Bird's Eye View podcast. I'm Jeff McClain. Here along with Paul Domowich and Les Bowen, we're of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And strange times, guys, but uh, the new league year has started and the Eagles have made a fair number of moves already and trying to, we're starting to get an idea of what maybe this team will look like in 2020. Of course, uh, there's a world crisis going on right now, so we don't even know if there's going to be a 2020 season, but uh, uh, we, we shall plow ahead and uh, you know, focus on the Eagles and, and what they've done so far this, uh, this offseason. And let's start with the cornerback because that's where the most significant moves were made. The Eagles were really aggressive in trying to get Byron Jones, but from what I understand, they just kind of they, – they backed out when when it turned into $40 million in the first two years mm-hmm. and that Miami ended up giving uh, Byron Jones. But they he was their guy. He was their number one target. Um, and, and obviously addressing a need uh, that's been pretty obvious. But when that didn't happen, they shifted their attention to the trade market and got a very good cornerback in Darius Slay. Now, both you guys, when we were – doing our evaluations of the move, gave it thumbs up. So I really want to hear from both of you as to why you guys like the, like the trade for Darius Slay. Well, they were in a tough spot, uh, Jeff. I, you know, you're right. They, they put a lot of eggs in the Byron Jones basket. And uh, I kind of thought when they missed out on that, what I was being led to believe was that they were just going to go with what they had and maybe draft a corner a little higher than we thought they would. And, but they quickly pivoted to uh, trading for Darius Slay. A third and a fifth in a year when they have multiple picks in those rounds isn't a terrible price. They did give him a new contract, but we've been watching these corners play for years now, and it's, we know kind of what they are. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to jump up and shock us and be a great corner this year out of the group they have, and rookie corners generally aren't world beaters. So I think Darius Slay, even if he, you know, the Lions had a terrible year, he didn't have a good year, but he's 29 years old. I can't believe that he's washed up or anything. Uh, You know, I just think this is a Pro Bowl quality corner and uh, they, I think they can probably get at least two, three years out of him. And, uh, you know, he'll give them leadership back there, which they sorely, sorely need after letting Malcolm Jenkins walk. So, you know, if you, take the premise that they had to make a move, which I do. Uh, this is the best move I think that was available to them once Byron Jones got out of their price range. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at this, uh, you know, I mean, Byron Jones probably is a better all around athlete. I mean, you know, we all remember what he did at the combine when he came out with the 44 and a half inch vertical leap uh, and, and some of the other numbers he put up. Uh, but you know, the age factor is not very big here. We're talking about a year and a half in months. Uh, in Darius Slay, we're talking about a guy with four three six forty uh, speed. We're talking about a guy that can travel the field with, with, with the team's top wide receiver, which, which is going to be critical when you look at their schedule and see the wideouts that they're going to be facing this year. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not what Jim Schwartz has always preferred to do, but mainly because he's never had a guy with the possible exception of Ronald Darby that you could really even think about doing that with. So he's got that. Now he's also got the one thing that, that I like about Slay above Byron Jones is his ball skills. 
led the league, led the league in 2017 in interceptions with eight. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy that's going to get picks, which is something this team needs. They were they were tied, I think, for 22nd last year in interceptions, 25th the year before. Byron Jones is 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 a terrific corner, but he. He, he's got stone hands, and he's not going. You know, he's he's not going to get you interceptions, right? Uh, you know, I, I was a little more lukewarm on how I evaluated the trade, and I guess this is why. I look, certainly they're better at cornerback, and that alone is is a, is a reason to give it a yeah. thumbs up. But you know, I look at the kind of the bigger picture, and with you know. It, so if you look at the numbers, Slay, his new in new money is making the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, slightly ahead of Jones. Now they have one more year of Slay under ten point five million for two thousand and twenty. So it, it puts his per year uh, average below that of Jones, but it it seemed like they they didn't really have to give much more to get Jones and then you wouldn't have had to give up the draft picks. And I understand less what you're saying that, you know, they have 10 picks and, you know, third and a fifth isn't, isn't especially costly, costly, but you know, this off season I thought was about getting younger and yeah. using those draft picks and looking at the salary cap and, and understanding that you can't be going out, spending all this money on older guys. You need cheap labor. And that's, that's what the draft picks are for. So, that concerns me. And then I just – I just and this maybe this isn't fair to slay, but the Eagles have been down this road before. <laughs> they – you know, because they have done so poorly in drafting cornerbacks over the last decade plus and have done terrible in replacing them with free agent or tr- trade options, I just feel like here we go again. Um, you know, Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I am grading this uh, – in the context of they didn't get Byron Jones. Now, whether they, that's a very interesting point that you bring up. Should they have put this money toward getting Byron Jones? That's a, you know, I can't really answer that, but uh, in the context of not having Byron Jones and having to move on to something, I think this was the thing to move on to. Right. Right. I think they're protecting themselves also uh, uh, with, with the possibility of the acknowledging mistakes they could make uh you know the guaranteed money on this because it's a smaller contract is not the same as uh byron jones's um yeah so you know if this doesn't pan out you know at least they're not swallowing the kind of money that they're swallowing if they you know like we're seeing here with 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 other players like uh, alshon jeffrey and 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 people like that uh so I mean I, I think that was a factor in this that they didn't want to go to a five year deal where the where the guaranteed money would be so big in case they in case this guy isn't is not a, a success. Yeah, but it's still I mean it's still a lot of guaranteed money and if you, if you include the first year I mean that's he's going to play so that's guaranteed so it's still forty million plus guaranteed, and then on the last three years of that deal he'll be thirty thirty one thirty two. I you know not many cornerbacks are ascending into their thirties. And I felt with Jones, there was at 27 and considering his athleticism, there was an opportunity for them to get a player that was kind of still peaking. Whereas I think with Slay, Mm -hmm. based upon 2018 and 19, you'd have to think that at least uh, at the least he's been kind of plateauing and maybe even going down a little bit. Look, I I like Slay. 
I think he's a smart player. He's uh, he seems like he's got the whole package in terms of his professionalism. Um, he's smart as, as Damo, as you mentioned, he can run with the top receiver, something the Eagles have always lacked uh, with Jim Schwartz's in Jim Schwartz's scheme. Uh, as you mentioned, he doesn't really typically prefer that. And I'm not sure if he'll do that with Slay. Uh, the other question is who's going to play opposite him. Um, I guess they're going to have to give Sidney Jones finally the opportunity to, to play there. I mean, second round pick at some point, you just got to roll the dice. Yeah. And I guess that would be my, that would be my, and then Devante Maddox in the slot, which I guess takes us to safety. But wait, before you do though, I just want to say one thing I forgot to say earlier, Jeff. I mean, one thing to consider here, and I don't think any of us disagree that Byron Jones was their first choice. It was just that they reached a a number where they felt they needed to back out. But yeah, my question is, uh, and and one of the things I considered when 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 evaluating this trade this uh, deal, is if they had spent what they spent to get Byron Jones, they probably don't end up with Javon Hargrave. Uh, so you know they've they've addressed two positions here rather than one. But you mm-hmm. you have to offset you have to then if you're them you say well how much difference is there between Slay and Jones. And, and is it worth that difference to add an, another interior pass rusher that might help us this year? Well, that's that's a fair point to make. And if you're t- yeah, two two for one, I guess if that's the way the Eagles are viewing it, I, you know, I don't know if it is exactly apples to apples, but uh, if they are viewing it that way and they can justify it that way, then certainly I feel like yeah, that makes sense. Um, but they're they left themselves weaker at safety. I think I think we would all agree with that mm-hmm. in letting you know, Malcolm Jenkins go. Um, but uh, in their defense, this is a guy that's, you know, 32 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone thinks that Malcolm is, is at his peak in terms of his athleticism, but that hasn't really always been his game anyway. Uh, he's a real cerebral player. He does so much more for you besides uh, what he can even do on the field, but uh, on the field, I mean, he directs the defense of secondary. Uh, he really covers for a lot of mistakes uh, and and he's probably the best leader on on the team, certainly on the defensive side of the ball. What did you guys make? We we didn't really uh, we didn't do uh, an evaluation of this of this decision. So this I guess gives gives you guys an opportunity to really say what you thought about the decision to not you know not pick up his option for twenty twenty. Les, I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, I was uh, I don't like it. I mean, I. I understand their point about getting younger and and younger leadership and all that stuff. But my point of view is you have a terrible secondary that gives up all these big plays and, you know, has been an, even, even in the Super Bowl season was not dependable. It was something you had to work around rather than a source of strength. So you got one guy in that secondary who, who's never hurt, who, does a decent job even as he gets older and moves into more of a restricted role uh, who is the linchpin that gets everybody lined up right and, and in the right scheme and all that stuff. And that's the guy you get rid of. You know, I mean, it just, in a way it seems bizarre. It isn't because as, as you pointed out in your piece today, Jeff, and as the rest of us have pointed out in print uh, or in uh, on the website over the last week or so, this was a long time coming. I mean, it, it didn't so shock anybody when it happened because they've been sort of drifting toward this for a while, but you just have to wonder well, what it's going to look like on the field. 
uh, without Malcolm Jenkins. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be very, very different. And I'm not at all convinced it's going to be as good or better. I agree with you. I think I, I absolutely think that. And I think they know that. I think they know that, you know, not having Malcolm back there is going to hurt the defense this year. Uh, certainly Jim Schwartz must know it. Uh, but I think what they're and, 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 you know, you can either agree or disagree with this, but I think what they're, they're looking at is a big picture here. They're looking at 2022. Yep. They're looking at 2023 when Malcolm, no matter what you, whether you kept him or not, is not going to be here. Um, and you know, they were willing to tweak his contract, as you mentioned in your story today, Jeff, but they weren't willing to guarantee him money into 20 next year, kind of like they did with Alshon. I mean, they wanted one year, they wanted one more year with Malcolm. They wanted him to solidify that secondary for one more year. And at some point they realized it was just going to be too costly in their minds to do that. And so they're, you know, I mean, I, I think that right now they're the way they're approaching 2020 is we think we can make the playoffs, but we'll, you know, that's not our main focus. We're looking, we're looking two, three years ahead and every move that they make is going to be, uh, is going to be about surrounding the Carson Wentz with a cast going into the future. That's going to be a Super Bowl contender. Right. And that, that, that was it. I mean, you know, Malcolm, everyone, there was reports, everyone saying he wanted top safety dollars and he wanted 12 to 13 million a year. And no, that was nowhere near the case. He just wanted two guaranteed years. Uh, you know, he knows that he's on the back end of his career. He knows that at this point in his career and the way the market is set for guys that are 32, that he wasn't going to get that. Um, now, he probably could have gotten more if he if he went out in the open market. Uh, but he wanted to go to a team that had a chance and certainly the Saints our team that will have a chance to win a Super Bowl of these next two years. And he's been there before comfortable knows that Sean Payton, uh, Sean Payton tried to trade for him a couple of years ago. Sean Payton says is one of the biggest regrets he's had in his career. So that's, that's, you know, that made it easy for him. And, and I guess if you're Howie, you probably feel a little <laughs> semi remorseful about letting him go because you, you let him basically go to one of the teams that you're, you're supposedly rivaling for one of those playoff spots and possibly a, a slot in the Super Bowl. Um, and a team you're going to play this year. Team you're going to play this year. And and the thing with Malcolm is, yeah, maybe he is regressing. But if there's a guy I'm going to bet on, you know, not allowing, at least doing everything within his power not to allow that to happen, it's, it's that guy. Um, but here, I, I will say from the Eagles' point of view, I think what they're getting, though, in going to – basically what they feel is that Roddy McLeod is going to, to in some way step into Malcolm's leadership shoes – Typically, it's your deep safety that sets the secondary. What they did with mm-hmm. Malcolm was because Malcolm is such a, uh, you know, such a big personality and has very, uh, very <laughs> diplomatic, I guess, maybe not diplomatic, but he's very opinionated. And yes. they allowed him to do it from from that box spot. But that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then plus, and you you really kind of were restricted. He, he barely, very rarely played in the post. Now, he gave you a lot of versatility because he could play almost a quasi linebacker role. What you had was a safety out there uh, in nickel or dime. And, but you also had him out there against base personnel, or you had him up there against, against two tight end personnel. Cause he could do that. He could just do a bunch of th- things for you. And they're definitely going to lose that. Now I feel like they believe that Jalen Mills can, can step into that role, but 
geez, I mean, that's quite a leap. He's never done it before. Yeah. Um, yeah, that scares me. In college, you know, I... But it's been a long time. And he he, he never he, – remember, we'd all go up to him. Whenever the idea was broached, he'd get very, very uh, indignant about it. Yeah. Um, now, he probably looked around – now, he looked at the at the landscape, and he wasn't getting good offers to be a cornerback either. Right. Um, so this allows him that, that opportunity. But, you know – it's not like McLeod is that much younger than, than Malcolm two years. Um, and he's not better. Yeah. And Rodney had a Rodney had more of a down year than Malcolm had last year. Rodney missed a bunch of tackles, you know? Rodney, and- yeah. It's, it's a tough position to assess because you're, you're out there in center field a lot. And you're, you're a lot of times the plays just don't come to you, Yeah, but that's why you need playmakers there. And I just felt like there were times when or I thought early in the season, Coming back off that, you know, he had something to prove. And, look, he played all 16 games, so, you know, hat tip to him. But he's not much of a playmaker. Um, he's a solid guy. Mm-hmm. But I think you lose a little bit. There. You know, a guy, uh, you know, I know Jalen Mills keeps getting mentioned here as the likely safety. I still don't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. I know a lot of people don't agree with me on this, but, I mean, I think ultimately – Avante Maddox ends up being a safety if they if they can stabilize cornerback, and that's a, mm-hmm. and that's still a big if because as you mentioned earlier, Les, we, you know we still don't know whether Sydney can play or not. Uh, we'll find that out. We don't know if they'll draft somebody high that uh, could end up stepping in right away. Um, but I, either they draft somebody or Avante. Or I just I just see. I just, I mean, Will Parks certainly isn't the answer. I think he's going to be a solid special teams player. He'll be a a, a possible third safety in, in, in some of their sub packages, but I, I don't see him being a, a an every down player. So, uh, and I and, and I don't see Jalen Mills being an every down player back there either. So, I think the the solution still is yet to come or yet to be announced. Okay, I I can see that. Yeah, I like Maddox. And I like Matt. I think the best he has ever played has been, has been at safety. Yeah. Um, uh, I think they still like him in the slot, but I agree with you. I feel like he has that kind of skill set. He could play either actually in the post or in the box. Because, yeah. again, Nickel a lot of times is asked to do those, that, uh, you know, tackle a lot inside their play against the run, go up against the tight ends. Um, so that's not a stretch to me. Um but again, I still feel like with Malcolm, you're, you're missing a, a pretty valuable piece. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, Dom, yep. Dom, yep. Yeah, Dom. Getting back to uh, what you mentioned about them getting J- uh, Javon Hargrave, let, let's let's transition into that mm-hmm. decision. Uh, I like the move. Um, it's it's a fair amount of money for a guy who maybe in, not until last year was kind of just a, a role player. Um, played more snaps last year than he had in his entire, entire career, but had a lot of pressures i mean he's not he's a, he was their nose tackle in, in the steelers uh three four base defense but on pass downs i mean he was the three tech you know one gap penetrator and that that'll work in this scheme yeah i mean they they looked at him coming out in 16 as a guy that could play the three technique uh even though you know he, he was a three four nose tackle um he does have tremendous quickness. Uh, I mean, they, he can be a one-gap penetrator. Uh, uh, he's 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 durable. Hasn't gotten. I think he's missed one game, which was as a rookie. Uh, you know, and last year when when their when their other nose tackle who played in sub packages got hurt, 
uh, he got a chance to, to, to do a lot of pass rushing and really played well. So, yeah, I, I mean, I like the move too. Uh, uh, assuming, assuming Malik Jackson comes back healthy, assume Fletcher Cox can play 16 games. I mean, they suddenly have uh, a three-man rotation inside that can really disrupt things for quarterbacks and create some problems. Yeah, I like all that. I just that was their first move of free agency, and it surprised me because I know how important interior pass rush is, and I know uh, they felt uh, a real key to their struggles last season was Malik Jackson going down in the opener and not having that guy next to Fletcher Cox who could really, uh, you know, get him free. Um, but to me, I you look at all the the really. Uh, critical areas of need on the team and that really wasn't one of them to spend a lot of money but I'm open to the idea that he can really make a difference everybody knows that regardless of who you put in the defensive backfield one of the one of the real quibbles I think people have with Jim Schwartz's scheme is unless they're getting that push from the front four and they're getting sacks and and really you know disruptions from the front four their defense is horrible and uh yeah, so obviously Javon Hargrove, Hargrove uh, really uh, further. Yeah, one of the links. Good, you go. Yeah, and I think uh, with go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I think with uh, yeah, sorry, Dom, but I think with like Fletcher and Malik, you also have versatility to move those guys out the end positions. Uh, so it's it's not going to be a problem having three guys uh, that can rush the quarterback. You can it just gives you a little bit of uh, flexibility um, with with that unit. Um, and they also brought back Hassan Ridgeway to be the fourth defensive tackle. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good interior. Uh, and as you mentioned, Les, the, the importance of that pass rush in Schwartz's scheme, you can never go light there. And the Eagles have long uh, lived by the, the old cliche of uh, you went up front. And certainly I think Hargrave addresses that. Now that's three years, what is it? Three mm-hmm. years, 39 million, 13 mm-hmm. per. Yeah. I and mean, that, that's, you know, for a guy, uh, that really essentially hasn't proven much. I mean, he, he's got good numbers and in terms of uh, per snap on a per snap basis, but I think that's that's more than Malik Jackson's getting yeah. every year. You know, as, as you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. Jeff, in your story today, uh, and it just kind of links to Malcolm's the departure and Hargrave's arrival. Uh, you know, they blitzed more last year, a little bit more than they had in the past. And the guy that blitzed more clearly more than he ever had was Malcolm. They, I mean, he was very, he was very effective at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's gone. I, there's nobody that's, you know, I, we don't know whether Jalen Mills can be an effective uh, blitzer. I mean, those are things we'll find out. But I think the way they're looking possibly at, at continuing to upgrade the defensive line is that if we make this unit strong enough, you know, we don't have to worry about blitzing safeties, about blitzing cor- corners off the edge that we can, you know, we can go back to that four man rush. So, uh, you know, I think that that played into it a little bit. Yeah. Well, clearly the emphasis this offseason has been the defensive side of the ball. Every free agent move or trade that they've made has been on that side of the ball. And on Saturday, they added a few more guys. We've already talked about Will Parks. Uh, they also signed uh, linebacker Tavis Brown. Uh, who had a pretty first good three years in the NFL with the Chargers, but mm-hmm. but had some injuries and then was pretty much just a special teams guy last year in San Diego. Um, you, you, it's a one-year deal. You're not giving up much for him. 
Um, and you had to address that position with, with Nigel Bradham moving on. And, and then, of course, Camus Grugier-Hill signed elsewhere. And really the only guys you have with experience coming back are, are Nate Gary and uh, TJ Edwards, who played a little bit late last season as an undrafted rookie. Um, so, I mean, that, that's par for the course when it comes to the Eagles at linebacker. It's kind of a secondary position for them. But are you guys surprised that they haven't done anything on the offensive side of the ball? Honestly, I'm not, to be perfectly honest with you. But go ahead. You you guys jump, jump in. I, I'm not shocked. Uh, but if I were them, I'd be watching this wide receiver free agent market, which a lot of people have noted is not brisk because the draft is so good at wide receiver. You know, a lot of people are looking at Robbie Anderson or Demarcus Robinson or Taylor Gabriel and saying, eh, well, I can get that guy in the middle rounds, you know, and pay him a lot less money. But if you're the Eagles – your wide receivers were so awful last year and yeah, you're getting Deshaun Jackson back, but for how long he's 33 years old, you know, is he really going to play a bunch of games for you and, and remake your, your offense? Probably not. Um, he might, that'd be great if he did, but you know, counting on stuff like that is, is kind of what got him into these nine and seven spirals that they've been in. I would look hard at getting one of those guys just to have around because the, the idea of a rookie wide receiver, even if you get one of the really good ones in, at 21 or by moving up, the idea of a rookie wide receiver is going to catch 120 passes for 1,500 yards or something, that's, that doesn't happen. So, you know, I would, get, I would hedge my bet. I'd wait for the market to drop a little bit, but I'd be really on any of these guys that, that I could sign that might help somewhat. Uh, you know, I, I just, I just would, I wouldn't do a lot else. I wouldn't, I don't care who the third running back is. That can be somebody they sign in August for all I, you know, yeah. but, absolutely. Uh, and the backup quarterback, that's the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet. I saw where, uh, PJ Walker is, uh, signing with, uh, the Panthers, uh, which, uh, I thought he might, uh, end up here. Uh, that would have been a, a really neat uh, thing for them to do. Now that that's not going to happen, he's going to go with his old Temple coach, I guess, Matt Rule. Uh, I'd be looking at Joe Flacco, you know, if his neck is okay. Uh, you know, I, I really think, uh, given the bizarre nature of what's what tends to happen to Carson Wentz over the over his career, I'd I'd want more than Nate Sudfeld and and some schmo. You know, I'd want somebody that could get me through a few games uh, that I know is, is a winning quarterback. in the NFL. I think uh, regarding both wide receiver and the quarterback thing. Uh, I mean, the thing we have to keep in mind here is this isn't a typical year uh, because of the coronavirus crisis. And, and, and so I think the pace of free agency is going to be different. Um, teams know there's no yeah. going to be no spring spring uh, workouts. Uh, so I don't think they're in as much of a hurry to address some issues they want to, you know, there's always this lull after the first bunch of signings anyway. Um, And I agree with Les. There's, I think there's probably a possibility that they could end up signing a a free agent wide receiver later on. That's that they feel is cost effective and and can be productive, but clearly, I mean, clearly offensively, they're looking for people that are going to grow with Carson Wentz. And you do that by getting young people in the draft, the wide receiver, uh, probably another tackle uh i think those are going to come in the draft now as far as expecting immediate production from that guy you take in the first round which we all think will likely be a wide receiver um 
you know, I mean, I, this still at least for another year is going to be a, a tight end driven offense. Uh, so I don't think they expect to, anybody they draft to come in and, and catch a hundred balls or, or, you know, they don't think that's realistic. That doesn't mean they're not going to draft somebody, end up with somebody that they think can, you know, can be a future pro bowler. But I mean, I don't think it's going to be that kind of player or with that kind of pressure on them. And I agree with less on the quarterback. Uh, you know, I'm, they've got considering the quarterback you're, they're dealing with a guy with his injury history. And, and last year I granted it was an anomaly getting the concussion at the end, but still they need somebody with, with experience. They need somebody they've got, they've got to expect a worst case scenario week, week seven, he goes down for six games and they've got to have somebody that they can throw out there where they're not just holding the fort, somebody that can win, get, they can win games with. And yeah, one, I, 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 one, ahead, one thing we didn't mention here is the whole DeAndre Hopkins saga. Uh, and that really disappointed me. I, DeAndre Hopkins got traded. Nobody really saw that coming from the media side. Uh, they didn't get much. The Texans didn't get much for him. And we've been sort of led to believe that from the Eagles standpoint, uh, they knew about this. And they were concerned that if they gave a guy a new contract with three years left on his deal, that everybody else on the team would want a new contract. And I just don't see that as any kind of rationale. I think most of the guys on your team want to win the Super Bowl. And if you tell them, look, this is what we have to do to win the Super Bowl. This doesn't mean everybody gets a new contract. You know, you all know there's a salary cap. We have a chance to add DeAndre freaking Hopkins. I kind of think that would have gone over pretty well. And that would have made the Eagles – a top Super Bowl contender this year. And it's wonderful to talk about your plan for 2022. And they've always loved that kind of stuff, you know, but Hey, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I just, uh, I, I don't like that one uh, getting past them at all. Yeah. Well, well the, the unspoken uh, variable in all this is Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that's, you know, some people thought that they would just release him, once the new league, year start, league, uh, new league year started because the CBA that was ratified allowed them to use that post-June 1st designation to move some of the money that they would have to eat and uh, dead dollars into future years. So it wouldn't been as costly in terms of the cap. $26 million is a lot of money. Maybe they could have trimmed that in, uh, you know, maybe $10 million off of that by moving the money forward. But they haven't done that. And right. my expectation is, one, that they're probably going to – you know how he feels like he can trade anybody. So maybe he feels like he can get something. And right now you can't trade a guy that's coming off a, a list Frank foot uh, surgery. Uh, so you're gonna have to wait a while before you could possibly move him. Um, but there's also the possibility that they may have to wait until he gets healthy. If they, if they want to release him as well. Um, I know that they can do that, but uh, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, there's a, there's a chance that maybe they feel like they can bring him back. I, yeah, yeah, you just I, you don't I, know yeah. with them. I mean, I, from always, what I was led to, I was led to believe that they had they were moving on from Alshon, yeah. no matter the price they had to pay for it. Um, my guess is that it, it'll eventually happen in light of everything surrounding him and yeah. and uh, the reports about him being the anonymous source behind the ESPN uh, you know, anonymous quotes criticizing uh, Carson Wentz and the offense, and um, but that but that you know, hamstrung Howie a bit in terms of what he could do at the wide receiver position. 
But I agree, I'm going to agree with you guys. DeAndre Hopkins, geez, I, you know, there's one guy that might have been upset about them giving him a new contract, and that's Zach Ertz. But I bet you after a few games of DeAndre Hopkins taking safeties over top and, uh, and Zach having one-on-one coverages versus uh, linebackers and safeties, that he would have been okay with having DeAndre Hopkins get needed. Yeah, I think the Hopkins thing kind of caught him by surprise in that, you know, we they, yes. they had $40 million in cap space. But, as, you know, as I wrote, couple weeks back it's not a true 40 million dollars it's mostly built on on the borrowing they've done by restructuring contracts and how he went into this whole free signing the free agent signing period with, with with his mind on getting on getting things a little bit more straight as far as as far as heading into the future with their cap situation and then suddenly one of the you know one of the top two two or three wide receivers in the league becomes available and I don't think they were ready for that. And I think they they got scared by the commitment. That that's just my sense. Yeah, but they, I mean, there's you know they're putting so much emphasis on on this receiver draft, and they haven't done well. They're obviously in evaluating that position. JJ Arcega Whiteside. Well, I don't want to bury the kid. He's he's only one year in. Yeah, hasn't really shown much promise. I believe. Um, at best, I feel like he's a third guy. Um, mm-hmm. And, and know, it's a was... tough position for anybody. You know, it's wide receiver is one of those positions where teams really swing and miss a lot, and especially high in the first round. You know, you can you can look at lists of, of guys that were supposed to be great that are out of the league in three or four years. You know, for whatever reason, it just doesn't uh, – it doesn't always uh, – it, it's you know, a tough I'm position not, to evaluate. I'm not as lukewarm and, as and, you guys yeah. are on, on yeah. Ortega Whiteside. Uh, I, and I wanted to see what he'll do in his second season when, when, when he doesn't have to think as much out there when the offense comes natural to him. The problem is this, this cor- the coronavirus thing has just changed everything. I mean, these guys are going to have no yes. spring – uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna be doing a lot of video work on, on you know remotely and stuff, but you know you you can't learn without just without being out there. And uh, you know I mean right now we don't even know what's gonna happen with training camp. Uh, so it's just yeah yeah. But I mean or I, the I, seasons I, for that exactly. Matter. Well, that's yeah, a that's a good transition into because we do want to talk about COVID nineteen, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are unsure about their their own situations. Much greater. Uh, issues out there beyond just the NFL, but this is what we do for a living. And, and, um, and people still care about the Eagles. Obviously, if you judge by the people reading the stories online. Yes. Um, so let's kind of go. What, 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 I mean, this is, I think it's pretty much understood. Well, the, look, they've already canceled the owners meetings. Uh, a lot of these moves that have been made. The NFL says they can't be kind of announced by teams because they teams, players still have to take physicals. They can't mm-hmm. fly to teams to do that. Um, really, so who knows? A lot of these, I bet you'll be a couple deals that will blow up because of that. Um, the draft now is, is still going on, they're saying, but the Las Vegas in Las Vegas, they, they won't be able to have the, the biggest extravaganza outdoor deal with fans, etc. cetera. Uh, I, you know, spring workouts are supposed to start April 6th for teams that have just that have new head coaches, and then April 20th for teams that don't. So the Eagles would have been April 20th. I doubt there's any, I think there's no chance that they're going to start on time. And as Damo alluded to earlier, it's, it's unlikely that they may even have spring workouts. Mm-hmm. I think what they're – my guess is that they'll be targeting training camp um, as a time to really – that'll be when things start again for the NFL. 
Um, and that'll affect every, that'll affect certainly rookies and, and new, new players on teams. And, um, but yeah. everyone's in the same boat. It'll, it'll be start from scratch again. there. Yeah. Yes. It'll be a little bit like the old, old days of the NFL. When you go to training camp, wondering yeah. if guys are really in shape, you know, because they're, there are going to be some guys that have home gyms that are nicer than anything you've ever seen. And they're going to right. work every right. day and, and do exactly what they're supposed to do. And there are other guys that you're kind of, kind of you know, get lost in this and kind of, you know, yeah. uh, let it go a little bit or, or even more charitably don't have that kind of setup, you know, and didn't anticipate not being able to go to a gym or a training facility, uh, during the off season and we'll yeah, just see how the difference that works from the out. old days is that they had more time, more, ga- more games, more, yeah. more yeah. rules that allowed them to coaches to put pads on them every day. Uh, all of that's out the window. So this is really going to be, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Players coming off injuries are still allowed uh, to rehab at the team facilities uh, so that, you know, whereas that couldn't have happened, I guess, you know, actually that did happen in 2011, I yeah. believe, but there were, but there were some circumstances, I guess, for free agents and yeah. guys who really weren't on teams that they couldn't, they but had to find. In 2011, because there was no social distancing or anything, it was just a matter of a labor contract. Guys got together and worked out. Right. You know? We'd have to go to those practices and remember like guys like Evan Mathis, who, yeah. He used it as an opportunity because he knew that there'd be players that wouldn't work out the same as he did yeah. that free agency period. Mm-hmm. And he always talks as if that was a blessing uh, for him because he, he worked out as hard as he ever did. The Eagles signed him and he ended up becoming a pro bowl guard from uh, during that dream team off season. He was the guy that kind of flew in under the radar and being the, you know, you the, mentioned the best signing uh, of them the all players rehabbing at facilities. One of the unknowns here now that, now that places like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, and California have gone to uh, stay-at-home rules, uh, I don't even. I highly doubt that you know the NFL is considered life essential with respect to. I mean, I wonder if these guys can even get into a, their facilities right now. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. NFL, well, you know what? I'm sure, they're. <laughs> I'm looking around. And the Eagles. You know, yeah. There are law firms staying open right now. Everybody's found a loophole for being life essential. <laughs> so, I mean, liquor, sto- liquor stores are well, open. So. I'll ask you guys this one last. Yeah. I'll ask you guys this one last question. Then we'll sign off. But were you surprised that the NFL went ahead with free agency and light? You know, obviously it could be conducted. It, it has been conducted, but the optics weren't great. I thought, com- you know, in light of everything that was going on, yeah. not only in America, but across the world. I am surprised. And it, if you followed what was going on that weekend that the CBA was approved, all the big talking heads that usually have the inside information, the Adam Schefters and the, the guys like that were all under the impression that it wasn't going to be on a schedule, that it would they'd be, take at least a couple week break before doing that. And then all of a sudden it didn't happen. And there was a sort of a, a little hint that it was the, the players association didn't agree. And the players association came out with a statement saying, that's not true. You know, we weren't asked. And uh, I don't know. I'm kind of cynical about the league office and Roger Goodell. I think somebody said, you know, we can really seize the, uh, 
the narrative in March, like we've never seized it before. Nobody else. There's no March Madness. There's no uh, NBA. There's no hockey. I mean, we're the only. There's no spring training. We're the only thing going. Let's take advantage of this. And you know, I, I it is weird writing these stories about signing bonuses and stuff while people are dying, and you know, we don't know where this is headed. And I'm not sure they did the right thing. I know there are a lot of fans that really enjoy hearing about this stuff, but I don't know. I, I it took me by surprise, and uh, you know, I I think it was maybe a cynical decision I had on the NFL's going part, in, guys. Uh, you know, I thought the optics would be bad for them, and I expected, I, I mistakenly expected there to be a, a lot of blowback, and there hasn't been. Pe- people have looked yeah. at this yeah. as, as, or at least it seems to me as a welcome diversion because there's just absolutely nothing else going on right now. And the people that are stuck in their houses uh, are, are happy to, you know, as, as, as much as they're, they've got other things on their mind. Uh, as we know from, from, from the number of people that are reading our website and re- and reading sports, uh, they're, they're, they're just eating this stuff up. I guarantee you when they have the draft next month, the ratings on on the NFL Network and, and ESPN are probably going to be the highest they've ever been for an NFL draft. I, yeah. I you're you're right, and you know, um, I, I I agree with you, Damo, that there really I was surprised that there wasn't more, more blowback. But my guess is that you know the people who who don't care about the NFL don't care about, and the people who do welcome the the, the diversion, and you know. I guess the commissioner who has a PR background played, yeah. knew what he was doing and knew that uh, there, it wouldn't, you know, the blowback wouldn't offset the, the gains uh, that they have had in, um, in, in proceeding with, uh, with free agency. Well, uh, you know, this is our first time using this new app called anchor. There's a little plug for you anchor uh, where we can, you know, now that we're all kind of stuck at home, we can, we can try and hopefully do these podcasts a little more, in the off season as, as the Eagles make some more moves and as things in wine, certainly we'll be spending a lot of time the next few weeks writing stories about the draft and what the Eagles may do there. Um, so please stay tuned uh, to our podcast, but also to inquire.com uh, certainly head there for all the wonderful stories that our journalists have been doing on COVID-19 and how it is affecting Philadelphia and the United States and the world at large. Uh, I'm really, it's just, it's such a valuable public service that, that yes. we provide and maybe I'm biased here, but you know, th- most importantly, I think that's what, uh, what inquire.com and newspapers like us can give to people during these uh, difficult times. But if you're looking for a, a diversion, um, and something maybe a little, uh, less serious, uh, please read all our stories about the Eagles and the NFL and certainly on free agency, but as also as we gear up for the draft and the come coming month. So, uh, Damo, uh, Les, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, joining in, and uh, everybody, thanks for listening. This is the Bird's Eye View podcast, and we'll talk to you next Let's time. Let's do this, everybody. Again. Stay safe.